It's the Happy Families Podcast. It's the podcast for the time-poor parent who just wants answers now. Kids in primary school, they don't need a smartphone. Don't give it to them. Just don't. And if you have, you can actually take it back. It's okay. They'll have a big dummy spit. They'll be so cranky. Toys out of the cot kind of dummy spit, but you can take it off them. And now here's the stars of our show, my mum and dad. So I'm taking over the podcast today. I can tell. Because recently I saw you on the Today Show and you were talking about a topic that's pretty hot for a lot of parents. And I thought that I'm going to try and do what they did. I love that you're taking over. So most parents want to know what the right age is for their kids to do certain things. Yeah. So I thought, we're going to talk about it today. Okay. What's the right age Mm. to leave our kids at home alone? Yep. To receive a mobile phone? Uh Uh-huh. To have a sleepover? Yep. Or go to a sleepover probably is more important. Um, Boyfriend, girlfriend status. How young is too young? Yep. Um, And then this notion of going to school on their own. And then lucky last, when are they old enough to go to the shops on their own or maybe even walk or ride their bike to school? So I don't know how we're going to do all of this in one podcast. We're going to have to be tight. And I can't help but think that you're going to have some strong opinions about some of the things that I've got to say. Okay. Because we we haven't always agreed on these things. Where do you want to start? Which one? Well, it's staying at home. Staying at home. Okay. There's There's plenty of parents who both work full time. Yep. What happens when your kid's sick? Mm. And they're not sick enough that they need a nurse to nurse them (laughs) the whole way through the day, (laughs) but they're not well enough to be at school. Sure. Or you just want to run down to the shops and grab something. Uh, so, so there's actually legislation around this in Queensland. If you leave a child who's under the age of 12 years of age for an unreasonable amount of time without supervision and care, you Is have- Is it television supervision? No, it's not. Okay. You have committed a criminal offence. Wow. But the legislation- Only in Queensland? Yeah, only in Queensland where we've got that age stipulated under 12, but, but it's pretty loosey-goosey. I mean, how much time is unreasonable? It's, is it 10 minutes? Yeah. It all depends on the circumstances. If you're dropping in next door to borrow a cup of sugar from the neighbour, then you're probably only going to be five minutes. But yeah, it, But nah. it, even if you get caught up in one of those wonderful neighbourly conversations- You say it's going to be five minutes. And you're it's there not. for 20 minutes, you're, you're within a scream's distance of the house. You'll hear if anything went wrong and you can usually get home. So, But if you've left your four-year-old in the bath- If you're just at the neighbour's house, have you really left the kids alone? You, well, if, if you've left your four-year-old in the bath, then absolutely you have. Like, that would be completely inappropriate. So, uh, that's in Queensland. Elsewhere in Australia, the legislation is even more loose. And what it basically says is that you're legally obliged to make sure that your child is safe and that their needs are met. And you can be charged if your child is left in a dangerous situation or not fed or clothed or provided with accommodation. But I think you'll probably agree with me on this, and that is that if you're going to leave your kids alone, you need to consider a whole lot of things. Number one, how old is my child? And how long am I going to be gone? And how far am I going? And how safe is my neighbourhood? And what time of day is it? And what's my child doing while I'm gone? And What's the contingency plan if something went wrong? And, and this is the, this is actually my big one, and it's the one that most parents don't think about. Like, let's say you're leaving two or three of the kids at home. You've got a, I don't know, a 13-year-old and a 7-year-old and a 4-year-old, and they have a fight. What happens when they have this big blow-up and somebody ends up getting hurt? If there's no adult there to supervise, that's really ugly, and kids do fight. Or what happens if they're not doing anything wrong at all? But they decide that they're going to have a swim because you're only going to be 10 minutes, but you did get caught up and you get home and they're in the swimming pool. And let's hope that nothing goes wrong. Or what happens if they're just chopping up an orange or an apple and they slice through their hand? Or they are goofing off and having fun with sheets and cushions and pillows, building a cubby house, and one of them accidentally falls down the stairwell 
and bangs their head and ends up unconscious. Like, I know that that sounds terrifying and it might sound like it's completely overdone and as if, but if we haven't taught the kids what to do in case something happens, or on parental guidance, someone bangs on the door and says, hi, I'm here with a parcel. Do the kids know what to do about making noise, responding to somebody at the front door? These are the kinds of things that I think matter much more than some of the other things. And of course, never leave your kids in the bath or never leave the stove on and the kids at home alone. Those kinds of things matter as well. It was quite cute that the other day our 13-year-old was at home and she heard the doorbell ring right. and went out and realised that it was the mailman. Well, it was actually a delivery guy and he was dropping off some of your books. And she came back into the house. I must have been in the bathroom, I think. She came back out and she said, Mum, it's okay. She said, I double checked. It was just the delivery guy bringing Dad's books. So I let him in. <laughs> If we hadn't have watched parental guidance, it wouldn't have even been a conversation. But she'd done the observation. She checked to make sure everything was safe and knew what was what she was comfortable dealing with before she let him in. And I just thought it's great because it's it's education, right? It's helping her to recognise what are the parameters I'm capable of working in before I need to involve somebody else. Okay, what's the second one? So, how old should our kids be before we give them a mobile phone? Oh, I hate this question. I knew you were going to say that. It's the question that I get all the time. Uh, All right. um, Here's how I'm going to approach this. There are so many options out there for kids to have the ability to contact us if they need us without them having a phone. So what we do is we say, oh, all the other kids have got one. And if my child needs me, then they need a phone. So I'm just going to go and get them a phone. And we tend to give them like a hand-me-down iPhone or some other kind of smart device. Don't do it for as long as you can. Delay, 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 delay. Even if your kid is the most unpopular kid at school – I'm going to say don't do it. All of the research evidence that I've looked at shows that the younger they are when they get a smart device, the greater the risk that they are, uh, that they're at of experiencing mental health challenges and all of the associated risks, explicit content, the bullying, the, um, the fights over putting the phone away, going to bed on time, being sneaky. It's just, it's such a headache once you let that genie out of the bottle. Once the horse is bolted, I can mix metaphors if you want. But uh, so, so I say this all the time. Kids need smartphones, not smart parents. Sorry, let me say that again. Kids need smart parents, not smart phones. I can't believe that I got that around the wrong way. Uh, smart parents give their kids dumb phones. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Space Talk Watch for kids in primary school. They don't need a smartphone. Don't give it to them. Just don't. And if you have you can actually take it back. It's okay. They'll have a big dummy spit. They'll be so cranky. Toys out of the cot kind of dummy spit, but you can take it off them. Uh, The other thing that I would say is that once they have one, you've really got to be clear on the parameters. So our general guidance and advice has always been, and what we've tried to do in our home with reasonable success is you don't get a smartphone till you can pay for it yourself, till you can go out and buy it. We have loosened up a little bit with our younger children and I'm regretting it and trying to find ways that we can work our way around it. The great challenge, of course, is kids come home from school with devices now as well. The school supplies the computer or the iPad or the laptop or whatever is going on. So there's a layer of complication around that, but I still think minimising their access to screens is fantastic. Delay it as much as you can. When they can pay for it, they can have one. I think for a lot of parents, giving their child a mobile phone is actually a convenience for them. Yeah. It's, it's so much better to be able to contact your child when you want them in the moment. But that's why I'm saying the Space Talk Watch will do the job. Then having to wait. Yeah. Our 13-year-old, she doesn't actually have a mobile phone and I needed her to go and get some groceries from the shop. Our shop's only 800 metres down the road. Yeah. She gets on her little bike and she rides down. And, and she loves the independence of doing it. Like She, she really, really looks does. forward to it. 
she'd only just left when I remembered <laughs> I hadn't put an extra thing on, on the, the list. grocery list. <laughs> Did you let her come home and then you sent her back? I had to because I couldn't call her. I love it. So she walked in the door and I said, I'm so grateful that you did that. Guess what? And she looked at me and she said, you forgot something else, didn't you? And I'm like, yep. And I can't cook dinner until you get it. See, I don't think that's a bad thing. I actually don't think that's a bad thing. She's but for out a there, moment it was like, damn it, if she had a mobile phone, I'd be, you know, I could have got her and she could have done it all in one go. But she loves, like you said, loves the independence. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it just meant dinner was an extra half an hour late. It didn't make any difference. So uh, yeah. I'm really grateful that in spite of the challenge from time to time, that um, we're trying really hard to kind of just hold her back as long as we can. Yeah, if only she didn't have a school computer. Okay, uh, we're running out of time. We've got a, a handful more that you wanted to cover Okay, off. well, I want to know how young is too young for a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship? Oh, so we talked about this recently on the Happy Families podcast. It was Tuesday the 1st of August. It was episode 816. Twin relationships, how young is too young? We went in a, into a lot of detail on this one, but it is one of those things that comes up all the time. The first thing I'm going to say is, it's a pet peeve of mine. I know that other people won't feel as strongly about this as I do, but I don't think that it's in anybody's best interest for us to be making, uh, doing the matchmaking, pairing kids up and, and being all romantic about it when they're four and five and six. I just don't think that that's in anyone's best interest. Just let the kids be kids. Uh, they will start to show an interest though, around about grade three, grade four, grade five. And our job then is to talk to them about what a healthy relationship is and find out what they mean when they're talking about boyfriend and girlfriend. I really, 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 don't think that we should be encouraging those little romances at all. And I would be doing everything that I could to minimize that. Even when they get older though, I mean, we've actually said to our children, I'm, I'm opening up the, the, the hidden cupboard here and letting you right under the hood. Um, sorry, mixed metaphors there, but you know what I mean? We've actually said to our kids, don't have a boyfriend, don't have a romantic interest until you finished high school. And that's been really hard for them to get their head around. And they've, They've not liked what we've said, but our thinking is there is going to be interest, but don't get too serious. What happens is if there is any harm done, you have to go to school every single day and see that person. And in relationships with teenagers, especially in our pornified culture today, there are many, 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 and, and with the expectation that things are going to escalate physically, there will be harm done in many, many, many relationships. And then you've got to somehow process that and show up the next day at school and the next week and, and the next function. month and function and concentrate and learn. And it's not just that, it's also the reputational harm, especially if there's any image-based abuse or sharing that's been going on. Everybody knows, everybody's seen. And just the social challenges that are associated with it, you know, when you... Yeah, friendship groups. Things break up and all mm. of a sudden, oh, I can't hang out with that group anymore or your friends feel torn because they want to hang out with them but they want to be loyal to you. And Yeah, I, I went pretty extreme. Messy. You've just talked about the basic stuff. Yeah. It, it interferes. Uh, and, and for the younger years, that's going to be the bigger issue, right? Grade seven, grade eight, grade nine. Then you get into the more senior years and you, you encounter those big challenges. I would, I, I think... A frank conversation with the kids about this stuff will go a long way and dis discourage the relationships until they're old enough to process them and manage them and navigate them healthily. What about sleepovers? Oh, gosh. Most controversial topic that we can talk about, and I don't think we've got the time to do it properly. Um, if I was to put an age on it, I would say the older the better, and I wouldn't encourage it below about the age of 10. No matter how well you think you know, you just never do. We, You and I both have heard so many stories from devastated parents whose children have been 
harmed one way or another at a sleepover. Sometimes it's just bullying and stupidity because kids don't know how to handle themselves once they're tired and it's 11 o'clock at night or 2 o'clock in the morning. But other times it's genuinely horrible harm. Okay, so if the kids are going to have a sleepover, here's what I would say. Know who's in the house. Know who's in the house. Uh, Because if they've got visitors, if they've got an uncle who's staying or a mate who's just coming to town and just staying for a couple of nights. Uh, you just need to know who's there and you want to know the people absolutely unquestionably. And, and I know that I'm picking on men here, but unfortunately the research is abundantly clear that men are the most likely ones to hurt our kids. Um, so is there a big brother uh, and how big? And is that kid going to have any access to where your kids are hanging out and doing their thing? And maybe it's not physical harm. Maybe it's 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 exposure, exposure to something explicit on the internet, conversations that they're not supposed to be having. There's all those kinds of things. Um, you need to know the family well. But I'm, I'm going to say this controversially and provocatively, don't trust your gut because that's what pedophiles rely on. They build relationships. They make you trust them. You think, oh, they're fine. Don't actually trust your gut. I think that you've got to ask some hard questions when you drop the kids off, Um, like especially the first time. Like once you've developed a relationship, maybe you can ease off on this, but you need to ask what supervision is there going to be? Are there any visitors? Are there any older siblings? Is alcohol going to be available? Now, obviously with young kids, that's not going to be an issue for the kids, but are any of the parents going to be drinking? Because you need to know that there's at least one sober parent. If the kids are all having a whole lot of fun and the parents think that they're going to have a few as well, if a child gets injured, who's going to take them to the hospital? Like, what what can we do to make sure that the kids are safe? That's my whole thing. And and the last thing I'll say on this is you've got to teach your child what to do if a situation feels lousy. If they're feeling threatened, if they're feeling uncomfortable, if they're feeling unsure, can they leave the room when the computer screen comes out? Do they know how to say, no, that's not cool when somebody's being picked on? Or if there's any sense of threat, do they know how to go to the bathroom and send you a quick text message, even if they're using a space talk watch. Like, do they know how to do that? And then you've got to make sure that you're available to respond. There's only been a handful of times where our kids have actually reached out to us while they've been with other people and have felt like they needed to come home. They didn't feel comfortable. Not necessarily unsafe, just not comfortable with what was going on. But they also didn't want to be seen to be ringing mummy to come and pick them up. And so we have always acknowledged to them that we're happy to be the bad guy. Um, and so in those instances, the kids have literally just sent us a, an emoji that has helped us to recognise that we need to call them and ask them to come home. And so we've made a phone call and said, look, it's really late and um, I need some help first thing in the morning. Can you, you know, I, I know you were hoping to spend time with your friends, but can you come home? And they've been like, yes, that, that's fine. And they say to their friends, oh, this is so bad. I can't believe my parents are doing this, but I have to go home. Yeah, blame the parents. And so it. we've been really happy to play that role for them to enable them to save face with their friends, but also help them to feel comfortable. Knowing that they can come to us just is so important. Yeah, yeah. It's so important. Now, we're almost at, we, we are out of time. Are there any more? Have we covered it all well, off? When, when do you let your kids walk to school or go oh, to the shops? As early as possible. As early as possible. As early as possible. Um, but, 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 you do need to take the circumstances into account like how many big roads are there how far is the distance what time of the day is it have they done it before can they go with an older sibling or a friend you want to make sure that you're keeping them safe but i just think as early as possible i like the idea of them being able to do it with a friend or with a sibling from about the age of nine eight or nine depending again on how far it is and what time of day it is and all those questions 
And I like the idea of them being able to do it on their own from about 11 or 12. I just think we ask so much of our children emotionally in an unfair way and so little of them physically that they're capable of. And, um, and that's what I would love to see. Do you want to push back? Are you mad at me for saying that? Uh, have I gone too young? No, I think we need to know our kids. And like you said, there's so many variables around it. But if you feel like you're in a safe environment, you've got a great neighbourhood um, and your kids are going to listen to each other, that's the big thing, right? Then go for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I've got one. We don't have time for it, but I've got one for you okay. that you did not know was coming. Mm. How old do the kids need to be before they can get their ears pierced? Oh, see, in my – I'm going to say in my house, in our house, yeah. the rule has always been that I would wait until they asked. Yeah. So it's been different for each of them. Okay. Um, number one, she decided at seven she wanted to. And our last one, she was like really, really excited about doing it at about seven. And then I told her it was going to hurt. And I just I explained <laughs> to her what it would be like. She said, yeah, actually, no, I don't feel like doing that. So she waited until she was nine. So for me, it really, I don't care what age, I don't have a problem with it at all, but I'm not going to inflict pain on my child unnecessarily. They will make the decision and they will understand and know how it's going to go, what it's going to feel like, and then they can make their own mind up. The Happy Families Podcast is produced by Justin Rowan from Bridge Media. Craig Bruce is our executive producer. Hey, we really hope that we've given you some food for thought. If you agree with us, that's great. If you don't, we want to hear from you podcasts at happyfamilies.com.au a quick reminder as well the smells like teen spirit summit tickets are on sale now the early bird special doesn't last for long so make sure you get in incredible lineup it's going to be phenomenal all the details at dr justin coulson's happy families on facebook and instagram or at happyfamilies.com.au 